The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good evening, my friends. Welcome to the month of May. Uh, it is Saturday night, the first of a new month, new beginnings, and uh well, we continue to uh, move along in a positive direction. Uh, earnings are coming in uh, from Bay Street and Wall Street, notably Wall Street. Uh, the numbers are very sound. Some 84% of companies who have reported results have beaten expectations. Um, big tech looks like it's back. You're seeing a lot of strength on the likes of Facebook, Apple, Google. Uh, smaller companies, a little bit challenged in here. Um, Canadian dollar has been absolutely on Fire, no, it's not going to par, although anything's possible, uh, but it's about probabilities. Yes, indeed, managing money is about probabilities. Uh, and again, that's for the day-to-day practitioner to deal with. Uh, the prob- probabilities, my good friends, are in your favor if you use the little bit of magic that each and every one of us, hopefully, has been given to us by the uh, powers to be, i.e. the great Lord. And it's called time. Uh, if you use time, uh to your advantage uh the, the everything will fall into place what i mean by that you start early with your investing program and you stick with your program and you have to do that for about 20 to 25 years you know something time flies we all know that uh if you have kids you watch how quickly they grow up uh so again uh save frequently uh save for the long haul you will prosper uh but uh in the short term it certainly is very exciting to uh pay attention to. I'm very attracted to the markets, very passionate about the markets. And uh, I'm so fortunate to be able to each and every Saturday spend an hour with you. Of course, my uh, right-hand man, Jack. Uh, Jack, you doing well tonight? Doing well, Wolf. Like you said, uh, getting through earnings season and so far so good. Uh, U.S. companies, for the most part, are, are beating expectations and the expectations are pretty high. So you're doing okay, Jack? I am, Wolf. I like this. All right, good. See how, and the market's doing okay, too. Indeed, it is. Well, let's uh, let's move to our uh, guest. Uh, he's a certified financial analyst, uh, senior vice president, and global strategist uh, with Signature Global Asset Management. Uh, Drummond, thank you very much for spending some time with us this evening. Uh, let's begin, um, please. What are your most burning thoughts right now with respect to money, the economy, the markets? Uh, what's on your mind? Okay, well, Wolfgang, uh, Jack, great to be with you tonight. A um, little amazing that we're already into May, but uh, you know, as you say, time does uh, time does fly. Um, hey, one of the biggest conviction views I had, and uh, I think I last spoke with you at the beginning of the year, um, when uh, you know my outlook for 2021 was kind of a break on through to the other side. This is going to be a rip roaring year from an economic perspective as the vaccines sort of roll out and uh, and economies reopen. And uh, that was at the core of, uh, of that is the biggest driver of this reopening. And uh, I just wrote my uh, sort of uh, my most recently quarterly outlook for Q2. It's called liftoff. 
we're there. We're starting to see that come through. So, like the economy, we just got GDP numbers uh, out of uh, the uh, the uh, U.S. Uh, this week. You know, plus six point four percent with an inflation uh, number of four on the GDP one, which means nominal GDP was growing over ten percent in the quarter, and it's just starting that lift off. It really only inflected around March. So we're we're kind of at that point where we're going to see the strongest economic growth we have seen in our careers. Uh, uh, the b- that bounce out of the bottom, we get that. Um, but that's coming through. And uh, as Jack mentioned, that's driving the earnings, it's driving the economic growth. Um, and uh, that's uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a pretty impressive year from that perspective. Uh, the central banks, uh, again, uh, giving us different messages, I shall say. Can you speak, perhaps, uh, again, I'm speaking now inflation because because inflation is real. We haven't witnessed inflation uh, for, I, I can almost say, a couple of decades, real inflation. But uh, it certainly is showing up, uh, you know, boots on the ground type activity. Uh, again, I, I speak to home renovation. I speak to employment. Um, you know, if, if you're a producer of something, uh, you right now are holding a lot of cards in your hands and you, you can basically name your price. Um, but the bond market is always watching the inflation numbers and, of course, having his other ear on what the central bank is uh, saying to the market, giving it some direction as to what interest rate policy is going to be. Um, so can you speak to the bond market? What is it telling you? And what have our two central banks, i.e. the U.S. Fed and up here in Canada, uh, been indicating to the market. Yeah, no, those are great points. So, and, and they complement my view of this very strong economy, uh, which is sort of the background is that pickup. And then the other two things you have to drive into are the policy responses, and it's fiscal and it's monetary. And so, touching on the monetary policy side here, um, we have had a radical shift in monetary policy. Um, and effectively, it started last uh, August with uh, the, you know, Jay Powell's Jackson Hole speech. Uh, as you recall, um, but effectively, central banks have slammed their door on 40 years of inflation-fighting policy. Bye-bye, Paul Volcker, inflation-fighting policy that has governed central banks for the past four decades, and we just shut the door on it. So Jay Powell eventually recognized you know, what you said. It's like, hey, we've well, been fighting inflation for 40 years now. We haven't seen inflation for 30 years. It's like those dragon fighters of, uh, of lore, you know, where are uh, out fighting dragons all the time. We've only seen a dragon for 30 years. So what are we fighting? And so that's what J-Pal has done, this shift. Uh, and on the surface, it's to an average inflation targeting regime. That's a change of the framework. But it's much more fundamental to that because the Fed today has said, instead of fighting inflation, we are have to now fight to get inflation. We're not trying to defeat inflation. We have to get inflation. We don't know if we can create inflation. And so the Fed in the U.S. Central Bank is all out war to create inflation, which means they are going to leave interest rates structurally lower for any, you know, for the given economic uh, sort of state of the economy at any given time. Interest rates will be structurally lower, monetary policy structurally looser. Canada hasn't officially adopted a, same, a new framework, if you will, but they're following in the same steps. If you, uh, if you listen to uh, sort of uh, Tiff at the, uh, the head of the central bank, you know, he's telling you we're not raising interest rates anytime soon. And a lot of what uh, sort of uh, the, uh, the uh, Tiff Martin said at the central bank, I think was misinterpreted a bit in the market, saying he was 
pulling interest rate increases through to 2022. But he was adamant, no, that's that's not what I'm saying. It's We are not going to be increasing them before late 2022. That doesn't mean we're increasing them then. And so when you look at the central banks, they're essentially guiding out to say, hey, it's 2024 before we're going to be increasing interest rates. If we get this rip-roaring economy, if the inflation comes back, that may be pulled forward a little sooner. But I don't think you're going to see any interest rates at the earliest would be mid to late 2023. So it could get pulled forward a quarter or two. But the bond market has been going back and forth. And at one point in the uh, a month or so ago, it was sort of pushing rate increases into 2022. And that's just not going to happen. And so we saw so the-, the bond market settle down over the course of the month. We actually had a, I think we had a great first quarter as far as we were able to raise interest rates in the U.S. The 10-year, you know, almost doubled from uh, about 90 basis point up to, uh, what, 175 at the peak. And then for the past few weeks, it's kind of settled back down and now trading in around mid-160s. So, but with all that backup in rates, steepening of the yield curve, st- still very, very low levels, equity markets held in there, rotated furiously, but held in there quite well. And that's we, are spe- <clears throat> we are speaking high finance, my, my good friends. That's what Hi-Fi Radio is all about. High finance, high fidelity. We bring it all together. Uh, yes, Drummond Brodeur, his theme for 2000, excuse me, yes. 2021, is that number right? I think it's right, uh, was to break on through to the other side. Uh, a little Jim Morrison in that man's blood, and I like that. Uh, Drum Berger, uh, Senior Vice President, Global Strategist with Signature Global Asset Management. Very gracious to spend some time with us this evening. Uh, let's continue on the uh, topic of high finance. Pay some bills around here and get right back to the show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Well, thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate the birthday wishes, my good friend. Indeed. Yes, I have moved the calendar forward another year. 56 years old, indeed, is where I am at. And, uh, well, I'm not a big birthday guy. But, uh, you know, it's incredible with respect to uh, money and building wealth. Um, if you start early, which I have did, which I did uh, very early, in fact, just as soon as I left work, or left university began working. I began saving and investing. Uh, good old mutual funds is where I began. Actually, GICs is where I began. That's funny. We're having a great discussion with the Drummond Brodeur, uh, CFA Senior Vice President, Global Strategist, Signature Global Asset Management. They, they his team manages billions upon billions. How many billions of dollars are now under the uh, Signature uh, uh, Global Asset Management umbrella, Drummond? We're uh, we're still a little over fifty billion in that neighborhood. Fifty, so. 50, 50, 50 billion. Fifty. Yeah. 50? Uh, that's a big number. 
a lot of money to manage it. And, and you, you know, like about your firm is you are global in nature. And, uh, you know, Jack and I have a, a fantastic lens on the North American markets. Um, but again, you have people stationed globally where you're able to gather information on businesses and economies and uh, it gives you a real edge in what you do. But I, I want to go back to it. It is my birthday and I, on your birthday, you reflect a little bit. Um, the Toronto Star. Anyone know what that is? Yeah, I used to deliver those things, great big inky pieces of paper at a Starbucks. I think I had 31 customers around my block and delivered newspapers. And I was 10 and I saved some money. I think I saved $500. I said to my dad, I want to invest this money. Can I buy some real estate? He said, you don't have enough money for real estate. He said, but you can put it in the bank and we'll buy you a GIC. And so off I went to the bank, National Trust Indeed, and I uh, bought myself a GIC. Minimum purchase was $500. And the interest they offered me on my first GIC, I think it was eight and a half percent. And I think it was for a probably a one year GIC. Uh, and that would have been 1975. Wow. Uh, wow. 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 You know, drum is incredible. Uh, we're speaking about the, uh, the bond market uh, and it did uh, interest rates in the bond world. It doubled uh this year, uh, it went from under 1% to uh, 1.75% 1, 1 indicated, uh, well below 1%. In fact, I think the low on it was, what, 56 basis points on the 10-year? Got to get into 175, something like that. But uh, nonetheless, it, it's just remarkable um, because the central banks really haven't done anything with interest rates. They haven't raised them. They haven't lowered them. But banks themselves uh, on variable rate money uh, continues to lower rate uh I, I borrowed money uh, in the last six months uh at prime i think less 85 basis points which means my mortgage rate was 1.65 percent uh i was instructed a few months later right here on this show that banks are we're now offering money at 1.35 percent i say this drumming because i want to take it back home to to most canadians who care a whole lot about something that's called real estate condos houses the likes uh, the real estate market continues to be very robust, both sides of the border. Uh, there are murmurs that, uh, you know, uh, people are going to ask the central bank to perhaps do something about it, the government to do something about it, that uh, we don't have too much runaway inflation in, in the land of real estate. Uh, so what's your message to people at home with respect to mortgages, with respect to commitment on a mortgage, um, and, and, and what kind of interest rate risk perhaps that they're going to be facing in the next three, five, ten years? Yeah, great, great question, Wolf, and and, and happy birthday. Um, that's uh, as I say, jeez, uh, one point six five. There's a good birthday present for you. Look, interest rates <laughs> are at the core of what's driving all this, uh, and they are incredibly low. Um, and I want to make a couple of comments on that. It, it comes back to the housing as well, because you talk about the need uh, to have your money in the market compounding over time. And if you can put money in a GIC at eight and a half percent and compound that. For 20 years, you're going to be have you're going to do just fine. The problem today is you're not getting those sort of interest rates. And so, for a saver, putting money in the GIC, look, inflation has generally run two percent for the past uh, sort of 30 years, and that's the central bank's target. So let's kind of assume they can, and we keep inflation generally running somewhere around two percent over the coming decade. But that means if you're investing your money in anything that's learning, earning two percent or less you are losing money in terms of purchasing power. And so putting, locking your money into a negative real interest rate is a disaster for a compounding your savings. So you have to beat that 2% rate going forward. So as you say, back when we had eight and a half and even double digit GICs, very different world. Today, when interest rate, real interest rates 
is the nominal rate, the number you see less inflation, when they're negative right across the curve, you just can't invest in them in the same way. Um, but that does mean if you're borrowing at a rate of 1.65%, you know, that's a negative real interest rate that you're borrowing at. So if you're investing in an asset growing at the rate of, uh, of, of inflation, as I say, it becomes, it becomes accretive. So these interest rates are far more favorable to borrowers than, uh, to, uh, than to investors. And, and you know, you're, sorry, Dr. Drummer, repeat that point, because uh, it's a very powerful point. It's an incredibly important point. These interest rates, is, it's, you're better to be a borrower than an investor in bonds or in interest rate instruments at these levels, because the real rate is negative. Again, a balanced portfolio. We spoke about this earlier in the show. You know, the, the, the theory, theory behind building wealth over time is to have non-correlated assets put together in a mix that gives you a reasonable risk-adjusted rate of return over the long haul. The efficiency frontier we were taught, Drummond and Jack, uh, in all the courses that we took. <laughs> Basically, in this negative real rate environment, which means, again, friends at home, when inflation is higher than the interest rate you're paying you lose or getting, you're losing money. Um, conventional wisdom has to be seriously challenged. And that's exactly what Drummond is saying here. So let's go back to a, a typical investor who would have a mix of stock and bond. And Jack and I have been speaking to one of our clients this week, uh, trying to convince them to reduce further their bond exposure, which also puts myself at risk from a liability point of view, Drummond. Uh, you and I yep. both know what I'm talking about. From a compliance yep. point of view, you know, we're, 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 we're pushing against conventional teachings Probably. about money management. <laughs> so uh, please speak to that. Jack, we have lots of time here, so don't be shy to, uh, and I know you're never shy uh, to pipe. And thanks for your birthday gift, by the way, Jack. Very kind of you, buddy. You're a good man. You bet it's in the mail, Wolf. It's in the mail. <laughs> but, uh, I would just echo what Drummond's, Drummond's saying there, and the fact is that Real rates are obviously negative right now, but they're not expected to change anytime soon. So it's for a, a good period of time, I would say probably the next three to four years at least, you'd expect real interest rates to remain negative. And in that type of a situation, we talk about economic cycles, um, risk assets, whether it's stocks, um, real estate, private equity, those types of assets that um, the Drummond's talking about, they're risk assets, but you would expect them to be remain relatively strong. There's gonna be bumps along the way without question, but in a real interest rate environment, uh, if you want to get a positive return, you got to take some risk. Absolutely. <sighs> well, let's, let's again talk about risk assets. Uh, uh, I just delved into in our growth mandate um, a, a wee bit of a company called Coin. Uh, it's Coin Global. Uh, just began trading on the New York Stock Exchange. It, it, it's now the world's largest crypto exchange. Um, I bought it more for, more for the dynamics of what's taking place in the world of blockchain, cryptocurrency, decentralization of assets. Um, from a risk point of view, without question, when when the market is, if you don't use the word risk, we use frisky. <laughs> How about that on Saturday night, eh? We'll use the word frisky. When the market is frisky and, and everything is flying, you, you see the likes of crypto participate. Uh, and when things are risk off, the U.S. dollar goes up and everything else tends to sell off. Um, 
how do you see crypto assets fitting into global portfolios? And from a global perspective, Drummond, again, folks, if you're just tuning in, uh, we're, we're delighted to have uh, one of the big wigs at Signature Global Asset Management, a company that manages north of $50 billion. Uh, they certainly have a lot of good information flow. Drummond Berdur has joined us. But uh, yeah, the speak, speak about crypto assets uh, and blockchain. Where does it fit, in your mind, uh, into one's portfolio? Well, and, and, and you talked, I mean, you talk about building portfolios in terms of, uh, you know, originally traditional portfolios, sort of, uh, you know, with safe assets and risky assets, equities and bonds, et cetera. I wrote a piece actually a year about a uh, year and a bit ago, Modern Portfolio Theory, Rest in Peace, because I think <laughs> it's, it's a dangerous uh, concept in today's world. Um, and it doesn't mean there's any easy solutions, but we have to start thinking differently. Uh, and when you think about building blocks within a portfolio, um, in terms of risk assets, say, say you're putting a small part of a crypto asset, like crypto still remains firmly in the field of speculative uh, assets. When you look at the volatility in those assets, the way they move up and down, uh, what's driving them, it is still an incredibly uh, sort of uh, volatile and speculative uh, um, uh, space. Uh, it is not, I mean, cryptocurrencies today, they are not a store of value. They are not a replacement for money. Uh, we'll see how they evolve. Blockchain. Again, Drummond, Drummond, you, you, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to yeah. because you're making some very powerful points there. And again, I wouldn't mind you repeating that in terms of the volatility, in terms of the, 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 the S word that you used. Uh, yeah, the crypto, as they say, you just look at how it bounces around. It's very volatile. It's very speculative. And hence, as they say, does not meet the definitions of money. A lot of people think this is just a replacement for money, a new, a new currency. It's that we are not nearly at that stage. It doesn't meet any of the tests for what a currency would be. So it's a very speculative asset. It's going to be very volatile. Um, the blockchain technology underlying it is very, very powerful and will be used in a number of different applications. So you'll want to be investing in that technology because it's going to change the way a lot of businesses operate. Um, but then crypto, where do I put that into a portfolio? We do have exposure in some crypto spaces, mostly in our uh, sort of in our technology funds, which they're supposed to be looking at those areas. They are invested in the uh, the more risky uh, sort of evolving industry space. Um, but if you're building a portfolio of different building blocks, you know, you might say that I have a space, I have an allocation of 5% or 10% into that speculative asset place, and I'm going to put some crypto in there. And it can go, so the volatility of the individual asset in crypto is not going to be driving your entire portfolio around because it's going to be a, a, a partial, small allocation to that fund. Um, again, let's take it to the next derivative. Uh, again, mixing various assets into a portfolio does reduce volatility. Uh, it can also, again, when you re reduce volatility, you reduce upside. Uh, return and you minimize downside return. Uh, but I, I'll tell you one of the key facets uh, or, or aspects uh, or features that I like about this crypto space, and you use the word a few times, is new. Um, new is very investable uh, for a number of reasons. It's very fascinating when you think about it. Uh, and a key reason that new is very investable is very few people are losers in something new. When something is new and it begins to work, everyone is a winner. 
and it continues. And again, I repeat, teachings in life are fascinating because some of the most simplistic things we were taught, uh, we thought we were playing games, but in fact, we were learning life lessons. And Jack, you know that as a military man, you know that as a uh, semi-professional hockey player. Uh, it's remarkable, but I'm thinking, of course, of musical chairs, <laughs> you know? Uh, time to kill in classes, play now musical chairs, get up those metal chairs, unfold them. Everyone line went up and away we go. The music begins with the record player. And it was so much fun. Um, and the, the game went on for some time until, of course, until it became parabolic to the downside and two chairs were left. Um, but new is good. New is investable. And, and, and again, that's what I really, really like about this crypto space, the, the mystery, the unknown, um, and, and the murmurings out there that it, it could challenge and, and frighten the likes of Facebook and Google, both stocks, by the way, uh, well, Google making 52-week all-time and all-time highs. Uh, uh, Facebook is, 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 is on the mend and uh, ascend. Again, great earnings results. But uh, speak to that, uh, Drummer. What are you hearing about blockchain and the decentralization of it and its um, imminent threat to some other traditional big tech? It's, it's going to be, I mean, Facebook's an interesting one because Facebook was very invested in uh, cryptocurrencies uh, with their uh, Libra and, uh, and is, so, is also a player in, in, uh, in, uh, in those spaces. Um, in the crypto space, all your central banks are developing uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, basically um, uh, electronic versions or digital versions of their own currencies. Um, so there could be on the actual currency space, the risk is regulation to something like, say, a Bitcoin, but all these technologies are gonna use um, uh, various versions of blockchain technology, which is really an open ledger system. And it's gonna revolutionize the entire payments industry, the banking system, the financial system, but it doesn't always mean it disrupts the incumbents. In many cases, it empowers them. They're able to deploy these technologies in delivering of their services. So understanding when it's a disruptive and where it's disruptive and understanding where it's actually an enabling technology for who will benefit from it is uh, a key part of, uh, of, uh, of, of assessing what the investment opportunities are in new, uh, new areas, new technologies. That's absolutely fascinating comment. Uh, Drummond Brodeur uh, with Signature Global Asset Management. Look, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get right back uh, to uh, Jack Hartle and uh, Drummond Brodeur. Uh, talk more about high finance. It's high fidelity. Uh, it's Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, 640 Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, my good friends. It is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein. If you have any questions uh, about money uh, for Jack or I, WolfgangKlein.com is where you'll find us. Send us a note. We'll get right back to you and uh, do our best to answer any questions. No questions too big. No questions too small uh, for us. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, journey that we are on. It's a journey of building wealth. We want to help you build wealth. Uh, more is better. Um, how much do you need to retire? 
more than you think. Uh, if someone gives you a number, uh, my suggestion is double it. Why? Don't be greedy. It's just you have twice as much as you need so that the next time the market goes down a lot, and it will, how much? 50%. When? Let me say in the next 10 years. I think that's a high probable statement. If you have twice as much as you need and it goes down 50%, you have exactly what you need and you can continue to sleep and time will solve that problem and take it back to new highs. But if you don't have enough money and it falls too much on you and you are forced to do the unthinkable sell at the bottom, disastrous. We don't want that to happen to any of you. That's why you're spending time with Jack and I to learn more about how to manage money. Uh, Drum of Verdure's joined us. He's with Signature Global Asset Management, Senior Vice President, Global Strategist. The company manages $50 billion. They know what they're talking about. They hire the smartest minds uh, available to them. Drummond is one of those individuals. We've been talking about interest rates. We're talking about cryptocurrency. Um, the Canadian dollar, Drummond, uh, front and center, it, it's, it's getting close to almost 82 cents. Yes, copper is making uh, almost new all-time highs. It's well above four bucks. Coffee has been strong. Um, a lot of the base metals are strong. Timber, not, not. It's growing to the sky. Uh, so uh, you're seeing reasons why the Canadian dollar. But again, are, are we not a petrol currency? Or can we throw that out the window? Because oil has been sort of stuck at 50 bucks. A barrel forever so you're seeing I, i'm seeing decoupling from uh, that petrol currency uh mindset uh, give us your views on the canadian dollar drummond yeah that's uh, great so i've had uh coming in i we're positive on the canadian dollar um so most of the year i was saying hey i got a target of uh, like i can see the canadian dollar going to 82 cents um okay so now what now we're sort yeah, thank of you, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're at the top of the uh you know, the range that has been trading in over the past number of years. Um, and so uh, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it can go a little higher from here, grind forward. Um, and it's basically part of the same recovery trade. We started talking about how robust this recovery is, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a global recovery. Um, U.S. is, well, actually, China led out last year. U.S. is hitting now. Canada, Europe, we're a little behind, but are going to be reflecting up in the, uh, in the coming months. It's all predicated on the timing of your uh, vaccine rollouts and the degree of fiscal stimulus and that everyone has loose monetary. Um, but that global reflation trade, where we're going to see the fastest economic growth, as I say, we've seen in, uh, uh, in decades, uh, that's supportive of, uh, you know, a lot of the cyclical commodities. And so uh, that, you know, in Canada, we're a uh, petrodollar. We're actually a commodity-based, resource-based economy. So even the base metals and stuff will, will, will support us. Uh, going forward. But when you then look at the commodities, it's not always the new stuff. Sometimes it's the old stuff is pretty interesting as well. And so I look at things like copper and lumber, um, and I'm thinking we could see a longer term cycle in some of these because the amount of fiscal stimulus we're now seeing the U.S. load up, where they've already sort of put in $5 trillion in the past year. The U.S. economy is a $20 trillion economy. So that's 25% of GDP to bail them out of COVID. And they're trying to push another sort of roughly $4 trillion in the two infrastructure bills that, uh, that uh, uh, Biden is championing. We'll see what actually gets done and what tax offset it. Um, but they're trying to put a whole new marrying loose monetary and loose fiscal policy in place 
that is something we have not seen as well in our career. So we have to be a little respectful of the fact that there's something different going on down there. Okay, don't know if it's going to work. Don't know if they'll maintain unified government post-2022 to continue it. Uh, but in the meantime, the, the sheer amount of fiscal policy and monetary policy support going in the economy to prevent what happened in the last cycle after the great financial crisis where they went tight fiscal, loose monetary, and it drove, as they say, that secular stagnation, low growth, uh, huge increases in inequality. They're not making that same mistake. They make different ones, but they're going to try something different. What does that mean for commodities that we're going to get if they do break on through to a faster growth path? Um, and some of those two drivers, why like copper and lumber, is two areas. Well, copper is the metal for the green economy. If we're going to rework our uh, sort of energy system and electric vehicle system mobility, copper, copper, copper. So over the next decade, if you want to build out into these new industries, Copper is the build base building block. And then I think we're talking about housing earlier. And I, Canadian housing market has been on a tear uh, continuously right through since the last crisis. The U.S. actually got punched in the face uh, in their housing market. And well, they were at the center of the last crisis. So they've been on basically in the penalty box for the past decade. I think this cycle, you could see the U.S. housing market go from strength to strength because they've been sitting on the sidelines to a degree. And so that pickup, and we know from Canada how powerful a housing cycle can be. Um, and so that, as I say, lumber is a key driver into that. Like we've got short-term supply demand imbalances right now driving some of the spikes up. But I think there's a longer-term term story there in the U.S. housing market uh, that can surprise us in the next decade. And this new infrastructure bill into the uh, into uh, sort of the kind of the green or sustainable economy of electric vehicles, renewable energies, uh, very, very copper intensive to be able to do that. And so both of those are getting a boost from the sort of fiscal uh, uh, sort of packages that, uh, that the U.S. is trying to, uh, trying to put into place. So I think that could be supportive for certain parts, parts of uh, the commodity complex. Um, and as I say, even, even oil in the short term will have a bounce as we reopen demand picks up. Uh, so that keeps bid into that Canadian dollar. Um, against the U.S. dollar, at least, probably for uh, uh, for some time. So technically, breaking through 82 cents might take a while, um, but uh, but fundamentally that support could be there. Well, it certainly has hurt portfolios uh, if you're a North American investor, which, which I think more and more of us have become. You want to own some FANG stocks, Facebook, Google, Amazon, you name it, some healthcare. They're all American, hence U.S. dollar denominated. So you are seeing some uh, offsets. Uh, it's unfortunately the price to pay. Uh, there is no free lunch on Bay Street nor Wall Street. Uh, Drummond Brodeur, um, Senior Vice President, Global Strategist with Signature Global Asset Management. Very generous with your time. Very generous with your thoughts. Uh, and you know something? Great music pick as well. Uh, I want to wish you a great weekend, Drummond. I want to thank you uh, profusely for uh, sharing with us uh, everything you have this evening. It was very, very helpful to Jack and I as we continue to navigate these markets and help people build wealth. Uh, we're going to talk tax. We're going to talk about the budget, uh, stuff that really excites Jack, and uh, he's going to have some fun with Justin Masarango, uh, who is with BDO, is an accountant and a partner in Canadian tax uh, CPA kind of a guy. It's going to be so exciting. Stay tuned. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Well, why not? It's Saturday night, and uh, if you're one of the one percent, uh, or even two percent, uh, and you know, and I think that's on your mind. Uh, they've been speaking about it for some time. Taxing the rich, uh, they're coming after us. They're coming after those who have uh, some wealth. Uh, it's the way it is. Uh, indeed, uh, if you listen to uh, President uh, Joe Biden speak this week, uh, he spoke about raising. Uh, taxes uh, for those making an excess of four hundred thousand dollars, taking the tax rate up to thirty nine percent. Again, that was just federal tax. Uh, they have state tax as well. So, top tax bracket, I think, in the United States, uh, in most states, all in, is over fifty percent. But uh, from what I understand, you have to be making over a million dollars to hit the fifty percent threshold. Here in Canada, it is much less. Um, and of course, I hope you. But I don't hope. I know each and every one of our listeners. Uh, file their tax return on time, and hopefully you're getting money back. And if you gave money to charity, if you max out your RSP, uh, well, then you should be getting some money back. Uh, Jack, of course, produces a show each and every week for us. He does a great job lining up the guests. Tax excites Jack, and so do budgets. Uh, so we brought on uh, an expert in both matters, Justin Mastrolangelo. He is a accountant. Uh, he is with BDO. Um, he's a CPA, and he's a really good guy. He loves the radio. Uh, Justin, uh, thank you for spending some time with us. Um, Jack, what's on your mind with Justin? What's really got you going here in terms of tax time and budget time, Jack, that you want to know about from Justin? Well, it's the first budget we've had in two years on the federal government. Well, so it is kind of an exciting uh, moment in time for Canada. But uh, I know I'm is, with you. The fact is, we've talked about budgets and we've talked about taxes, Wolf, and it is for most uh, Canadians, most wealthy Canadians, uh, it is their biggest expense. So managing it is important. They came out with the budget. They talked about some luxury good taxes. So Justin, maybe we could start there. Luxury goods tax, cars, aircrafts, boats. Um, what came out of the budget? Absolutely, Jack Wolf. And um, you know what, Wolf? Tax excites me as well, too, as much as it excites both you and Jack. And I agree. Hopefully, everybody got their taxes filed on time. Uh, you boys need help. You do. Bill. You need help. But carry you know, on. It, it's so, so exciting that I just I don't want to stop talking about tax. And you know what? The budget, the, the budget was timely this year. You're right. April 19th, first budget in a couple of years. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, uh, you know. They are slowly but surely coming after the wealthier individuals. Case in point, the luxury tax proposed in this budget that would kick in on January 1st, 2022. That luxury tax for all you monopoly lovers would kick in on the purchase of new aircrafts, cars, and boats that have a cost. So for cars and, and planes, the, the threshold is 100 grand, right? So that new luxury tax would kick in on purchases over 100 grand. And for boats on purchases over 250 grand. So from a timing perspective, right, if you're thinking of buying this, this new car, plane, or boat, I'd encourage you to do so before the end of the year. Otherwise, you could be hit with this proposed luxury tax. The other, the other point that I would add there, Wolf, is um, they put on the luxury tax. So say you buy a boat for 100, or I guess you buy a car for 100 grand. They put the luxury tax 
they actually charge HST or GST on top of the luxury tax, not before. Oh, oh, oh. That's Which I know you like those, tax on tax. That is so nice. But a hundred grand, you can buy, as far as I feel like, I will never spend a hundred grand on it. So I was driving Elliot to work. Uh, he works for a landscaping company, starts at 7.30. And he said, Dad, why don't you buy a Porsche? Um, and I said, Elliot, could you imagine driving up to your boss for a landscaping company and getting out of a Porsche? What would all the employees think of you? Uh, who needs it? I, I said, the, the, the oil changes, the aggravation. Uh, you can only drive a part of the year. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, the hundred grand's good, uh, gentlemen. But uh, nonetheless, the luxury tax is, and again, I was in Copenhagen once, um, and there they have a luxury tax of 100%. Uh, basically, an automobile is a luxury. And I think most automobiles, if not all automobiles in Copenhagen, are taxed at 100%. Guess what? Less cars, more bicycles, and great bicycle lanes. Uh, I digress. Uh, gentlemen, back to you. Yeah, well, they, uh, like you said, with the budget, they I think they ran Wolfgang and Justin. It was like uh, over $350 billion in deficit last year. Sounds like another $155 billion. So uh, the, the fact that they're running these deficits just shows you that um, the tax that they're collecting is not enough. Um, and like Joe Biden said in his uh in his speech this week, he was talking about, you know, the rich paying their fair share. So with those types of deficits, Justin, obviously um, there's going to be winners. The losers are going to be the taxpayer. But what are the winners? What are the special interests that are going to be benefiting from some of these spending programs? And are they structural that the government's um, presenting to us? Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, you know I, I like that. And I, Wolf, I kind of share your sentiment, you know, on the, luxury, on the luxury tax. And I could see that going up in the future. And with this budget, I think one of the surprises was probably maybe the things we didn't see. And some of the things we didn't see were increases to the capital gain inclusion rate. Now, every budget, here, here. every year, every year, you know, we wait with bated oh, breath to see if they're going to increase We hold our breath. It, hold our breath, and we do all these plans. And I would say this year more than ever, we were expecting an increase in the capital gain inclusion rate. We didn't see that. I think we didn't see that because there's a lot of speculation that we'll see a budget later this year, or sorry, an election later this year. So I think that's, uh, you know, one of the reasons we didn't see it, but I think it, it, it's, you know, almost a foregone conclusion that we will see that in the future. The liberals, you know, proposed that in their platform. They actually proposed, get this guys, they proposed to go from 50% of an inclusion rate where it's, it's now at a 60%. And then they proposed to increase the inclusion rate 2% each year thereafter for 20 years. And, and what that would do, that would get you to 100% inclusion rate on capital gains. So that's a substantial change. Now, one of the benefits, as you mentioned, Jack, was maybe childcare. They proposed to invest $30 billion into childcare programs that would, in theory, reduce the cost of childcare to about $10 a day by 2026. That's almost a fifth of the cost right now. So that is a change that could benefit, you know, a lot of taxpayers in Canada. I do think childcare is important. And uh, why can we not have a national meal plan? My wife is always bringing it up, and I think she's right. Throughout Europe, uh, they take better care of their children. They educate them better. Uh, and at a younger start age, uh, it just I, I like the European ways in so many, uh, I shall say. But I am a proud Canadian. I do love this great country. Uh, and, well, I, the government got my check. Nothing I can do about it. May it is, my good friends. It is my birthday. Thank you for uh, joining me. Um, please uh, take some cake home with you, uh, and you can eat it as well. And I want you to stay safe, get vaccinated. I'm looking forward to my second dose sometime in July. Social distance. The virus remains real, but it is coming under control. America is leading the charge, and I'm very impressed with how quickly they have 
vaccinated their people. We shall get vaccinated too in due course. Jack, great job setting up the show. Uh, Justin Mastelandro, if you need uh, uh, financial advice, accounting advice, tax advice, uh, Justin, he's also a partner um, with BDO and does great work. And uh, you can contact him anytime. Tell him you're a friend of Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, a friend of ours is a friend of his. Indeed. Have a safe, great weekend. Look forward to speaking with you next week right here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.